Okay, so yes, the room is a little different. It is very classroom oriented. Hopefully everybody has their Bibles. Hopefully everybody has a study sheet. Hopefully everybody has a writing utensil. And this is the only time I will ever say this. Hopefully everybody has a phone. Get it out. You will need it. If I see anybody snapping anybody, I'm going to snap you. No, just kidding. I'm going to have to edit that from the thing later. Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> An eight-hour plane ride next to you taught me a lot. <laughs> All right. He was just Snapchatting the entire time. And then trying to talk to me while I was trying to sleep. <laughs> so, you might be wondering why is the room set up as such? Why? Well, because we are going to do a classroom style setting. We are going to do some study time. Last week, we started a, a part, goodness, I don't even know how many parts it was, four, I think? Part four of our series on anoint thine eyes, talking about vision, talking about knowing what it is that God has in store for you and being able to make the right decisions when those opportunities present themselves. In order to have proper vision, we need to be adding to our faith. We looked at virtue. And what does virtue mean again? Just very, very simple definition. You don't have to give me the 30 Strong's definitions that are there. What is virtue? Carson? Moral strength. Moral strength. Doing the right thing with a right heart attitude. And we saw that was the very first thing we're supposed to add to our faith. And then last week, we started talking about part number two, which is what? All together now? Knowledge. Knowledge. One more time. Knowledge. Awesome. Now, when we looked at that, were we talking about just amassing as much Bible information as we possibly can fit into our heads, as much as our brains will absorb? Was that what we were talking about? No. Because just like virtue, if we start doing things with our selfish motives involved, if we start doing things because it's going to uh, benefit us, if we start doing things because it's going to make us look good, if we start studying and amassing all of this information just for us and not to work it out, then it's not really going to get us anywhere. It's just going to be all up here in between our two earlobes and it's never going to work its way down into our heart and consequently out through our lives. We looked at how in order to add knowledge to your faith, it really talks about taking your Bible reading, taking your quiet time with God and going deeper into it making it more personal, making it more real. And that can only happen through Bible study. We need to read every single day. We need to hear from God every single day. And we should be at least reading somewhere, even if it's just for a couple of minutes a day, just to hear from God and to listen to what He has to say before we go out with our day or before we end our day. But we should also be making sure that we set time aside to dig deeper into His book. Like the Bereans, Acts 17. What was so significant about those guys, the Bereans? What does the Bible commend them for doing? They did what? Ethan. Search the scriptures daily. Whether these things were so. If we want to be able to give an answer to every man that asketh of the reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear, we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We need to become workmen, rightly dividing the word of truth that we're not ashamed when those moments come. And so we talked about some heartbeat practical tips of making sure that you be alone with God, making sure you set apart your time and your heart, making sure that you meditate on things. Just contemplate what's things, what things have been going on in my life. What's God been showing me in His Word already? What incidents that I have this past week? What things am I dealing with? What things am I struggling with? What's going on in my head that nobody else in the youth ministry knows about? That's just between me and God. Meditate on these things. And then you take those things that you're thinking about as you've set apart your time and your heart and you bring it before the throne in prayer. And you say, God, here's everything I'm going through right now. I need you. And Lord, I need to hear from you today. And as you lay it at His throne, you open up the book and you start digging in. You start looking up some definitions of some words. What stood out to you when you read Look up definitions of words. Search out where those words show up in the rest of the Bible. 
And maybe it's a phrase, or maybe it's the whole verse you want to see. What other verses like this are also found in the Bible? And you start doing some digging, and then you start making some notes. And you take those notes, you hide them in your heart, you memorize one or two of those verses, you make an action plan as to how you are going to add that to your faith, you're going to implement that, you're going to apply that to your life, and then you do it. Those right there, apart from the 15 rules of Bible study, that's the basic fundamental elements of Bible study right there. Doesn't require you to go through a 14-week class. Doesn't require you to go through a four-year Bible institute. Each and every single one of you guys in here can implement every single one of those attributes to your Bible reading and be very, very successful with it. And you'll add knowledge to your faith. And I'm going to prove it to you today. Hopefully. But depends on you guys and your willingness to take notes and your willingness to participate. So with that said, open up your cell phones. And if you don't have the app Blue Letter Bible already on your phone, depending on how quick your cell service is, go ahead and download it. Or you can even open up your Internet Explorer and pull it up. And then open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Get your pen ready. You can have a pencil if you'd like. No markers. Okay. What about crayons? No sharpies. Crayons? You can have a crayon. They make crayons that highlight your Bible. Where are we going? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Okay. Oh, you can't really see that. Philippians. Philippians. The of This is interesting. Can you guys in the back see that? Yeah. Okay. I had to zoom it to like 200%. All right. Before we begin, who wants to open us up in a word of prayer? Ethan. <laughs> Go ahead, Thor. <laughs> Dear God, just thank you for the day that you've given to us. Just thank you for the time that you've given us to assemble together and just learn more about how to study your word, God, so that we can grow closer into a more intimate relationship with you. I pray that this helps me and everyone else in here, God. And give everyone a safe ride home and give Tom and Corey the words to say. Amen. Amen. All right. Philippians 4, 6. Can I get a reader for that? This is a pretty regular verse I'm sure we've heard before. Carson, loud and clear. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And sometimes because of how common it is, because of how regular it is, sometimes it shows up on cards, sometimes we get a text message from a friend with a verse like this, or sometimes it's been given to us in discipleship. I'm sure this verse shows up in uh, the lesson we do on prayer. So you guys are probably familiar with this. But just looking at it at face value, if you were to read that, be careful for nothing. You look at that and you might think to yourself, man, okay, so I'm not to be uh, uh, overly cautious I'm not to be care. I'm just supposed to live a carefree life. I'm not going to be careful. I'm just going to go walking on a beam 300 feet up in the air without any kind of safety harness on whatsoever, and I'm just going to live a carefree life. Is that what that's saying here? Maybe. But for those who maybe don't know, maybe it's their first time reading this verse. Maybe some of you in here, this is your first time coming across this verse. Or maybe some of you know exactly where I'm going with this, but maybe you'll be able to add something else to your study when you come across this. So I look at this, and again, as we've already kind of did a little recap, when you come to a verse like this, it's always good to start looking at what are some words that I want to define in here. And for me, the one that stands out, what do you guys think it is? Careful. Careful. Because again, in the way that we use careful, it might be a little bit different than how others use it. Now, if you guys have your phones, I had a quick question, though. Uh, who here does not have an iPhone? Superior. Okay. So you guys might have to work with me here on how this actually works from your phone. 
those of you non-iPhone people. But if you guys have your phone, if you click on the verse, or even if you have a little laptop here, you could click on tools. There's something that's called interlinear, or sometimes it'll say interlinear concordance. Does everybody see that? Those of you non-iPhone people? So the thing with an interlinear or a concordance, a concordance helps define words as they were written in the Bible. Not only that, but a concordance will also tell you where this word also shows up in the rest of the Bible. And so careful. What does that mean? So what you do, if you scroll down here or if you're on your phone, you hit concordance. And you see this thing here that says Strong's and there's a column there. And it's the same thing on your phone. There's a number here. It has a letter in front of it and then typically four digits after that, four numbers. Everybody see that? Click on that, and it'll take you to the page talking about careful. And you want to scroll down to this little section here where it says Strong's definition. Everybody see that on your phone? Somebody tell me what it says or look up on the screen and tell me. What's the definition? To be anxious about care in parentheses full take thought. To be anxious about. So here we see that he's not talking about, hey, be cautious. Hey, you know, watch your step. Beware. He's not talking about that. He's saying, be anxious about. Have anxiety over nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't be full of the cares of this world. That's the usage of careful. Full of care that he's mentioning here. Be careful for nothing or to take thought about. So now that we know what careful is, now if you guys have your journal or your study sheet in this case, you can now jot a little note down that'll help you. You could jot a note down that tells you what does this word mean? Because now what my understanding that I thought was of this verse has now changed. He's not telling me be cautious for nothing. You should take caution in life on some things. And the Bible is very, very clear about what some of those things are you should take caution over. But he's not talking about that. Here he's talking about don't be full of care. Don't be so anxious. Don't freak out and worry about every little detail. In fact, he says, be careful for nothing. We shouldn't have anxiety in our lives. If we do, and that's normal... We need to do something with that. And he's going to tell us how in the rest of the verse. But before we do that, let's see how God chooses to use this word throughout the rest of the Bible. And you can do it from this very page here. So, we saw the definition of it. Now scroll down on your phone, and you see where it says this Strong's number, how many times it shows up in the New Testament? Now you guys actually have on your phones the location of every single place where this word shows up in your New Testament. Here's how it works. The very first mention, Matthew 6.25. But notice how it doesn't say careful here. The translators, when they were translating it from Greek into English, they went with this here, Matthew 6.25. Actually, Let's turn over there. Hold your place in Philippians 4, because there's a couple other verses I wanted to check out here. Let's see how else God uses this word of anxiousness, of anxiety, of stress. Let's see how else He uses this and defines this in the Bible. Matthew 6, look with me. Verses 25. Yeah. Let's go to 25 to 34. How many verses is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I need 10 readers. Heather, 34, or uh, 25, sorry. Elliot, 26. Ben, 27. Dustin, 28. Sam, 29. Caleb, 30. I need four more. Megan, 31. Jack, 32. I'll take 33 and 34. All right, kick it off. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Right there, pause. So here we see that this Strong's number that's associated with anxiety, being full of care, 
it's used as take no thought. In other words, don't have your thoughts consumed with whatever it is that's bothering you. And in this context, he's saying what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or what you shall put on. In summary, in other words, those day-to-day -day activities, the daily things that you go about your life every single day with, daily chores, going to school every day, taking tests, having homework, being around people you don't like, people that make you anxious, take no thought for those things. Those daily, everyday, routine things, don't be full of anxiety over that. Take no thought to them, in other words. Be careful, full of care over none of that stuff. Is not the life more than all of those things? Is not your walk with Christ more than those people you go to school with that you just can't stand? That just raise your blood pressure level and get you so amped up on? Is not life worth more than that? That's what he's saying. Continue in verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Are ye not much better than they? Christ cares more. He makes sure that a, a bird gets enough to eat every single day. He takes care of the daily needs and the daily wants of birds. How much more do you think he cares about you? Is he not able to meet you with your needs and the things that you're full of care over? Absolutely. 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one to your stature? I got no comment on that. We'll keep going. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, is, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Clothe. Clothe you, O ye of little faith. So in summary of all those verses, he's talking about which of you can make yourself grow. Or even the lilies and, and how they're arrayed and how they, they come about. In other words... He's talking about things that are outside of our control. Do you sometimes fret over things that you have no control over? Are you sometimes anxious and full of care over things that you have absolutely no say in the matter? Somebody might upset you. Somebody might get on your nerves. Somebody might get on your case and it just makes you boil up inside. You can't control how they speak or what, how they treat you, but you can control your reaction to that. Yeah, Heather? And the end of verse 30 he equates all to O ye of little faith. Mm -hmm. it, it takes faith to take these stands. It takes faith to not let these thoughts. It takes, sometimes you think blind faith because you don't know how the outcome is going to be. But I find it interesting that he ends at O ye of little faith. And how do we get faith? Faith cometh how? By hearing and hearing by the? Word of God, Romans 10, 17. So I guess we better learn to study so we can add to our faith knowledge to help us with this. All right, verse 30, where are we at? 2? 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth hmm. that ye have need of all these things. Oh, that was me. <laughs> but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. Everything that is a daily concern and daily pressing upon your mind shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take care or take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You want to hear the conclusion of the whole matter? Why you shouldn't be full of care over these things? The daily things that bother you or the things that are outside of your control? Because you've got enough to worry about today. You have enough of the enemy attacking you today to even think about, man, spring break's ending, I have to head back to school tomorrow, go back through the same stinking routine, go back and be with these people again. Take no thought. Don't be anxious over it. 
all of a sudden, man, Philippians 4, 6 is starting to gain some momentum here. We're starting to see. And God mentions it over and over again. Look here. We just read verse 27. Taking thought. Being careful. Why take ye thought? So when you see these, you should read or make notes that he's saying, don't be anxious. Don't have anxiety. Don't be full of cares over these things. God's got it. God is taking care of you. He knows what things you have need of. So then you keep looking and you keep seeing how else he uses it. Matthew 10, 19, when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. Anybody ever be confronted with somebody at school? You ever been confronted with how to give your testimony and you don't know how to answer it? You start thinking, man, how am I going to answer this? How am I going to answer this? He says, don't think about it. If the Spirit of God is living and dwelling you, then in John 16, the Spirit is going to speak for you on your behalf. Are you ready, though? Oh, I love this one. Luke 10. Turn over there. We're going to turn there. Again, this is all the ways that God has chosen to use the very same word that is found in Philippians 4, 6. He says, careful in that passage, but here and in other places, he uses different phrases. Taking thought. Can I get a reader for 38 and 39? Somebody else. Who hasn't gone yet? Ethan. And then 40 to 42. Rick. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. But she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard the word. Tommy, yeah, 40 to 42 is you. Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many Hmm. things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which, which shall not be taken away from her. So what did Christ have to say to this woman who was full of anxiety over something here? You have two sisters. You have Mary and you have Martha. What's Martha doing? What notes are you jotting down? What are you guys seeing in these passages? Do we need to reread it? I'll have Caleb reread it right now. Cloth. <laughs> we have two sisters. What's going on? Mary, what's Mary doing? Sam. Sitting at Jesus' feet. What's Martha doing? Serving. Busy, busy, busy. Serving, serving, serving. Constantly working. Rather, maybe constantly being seen working. Making sure that others see how busy she is and how much she loves the Lord. And what does Christ have to say about it? What's the anxiety that she has? Look at verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, full of care, anxious, and troubled about many things. Did you guys note that she only mentioned one thing? She said there was one thing that really bothered her. But Jesus, knowing her heart, said, no, 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 no. There's more behind the scenes of what's going on here. And when you come face to face with Christ, this is what I was talking about last week, when you have those moments where you're meditating before you pray, before you even open up your Bible to study, and you start just sitting in quiet and thinking about how things are going, thinking about your walk, thinking about situations that have happened to you recently, you will see God start bringing up to the surface things that you didn't even know were there. Because you're quiet, and you're thinking about these things, and you're readying your heart to hear from the Master. He will do this, and He will reveal these things so that He knows how to address them so that you can move on in your walk. In this case, He's saying Mary's doing that one thing which is needful. One thing. And what is it? What was she doing? Look at verse 39. 
She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his what? Notice that when she was doing that, Mary wasn't full of anxiety about something. She didn't have little faith over anything, no. And you know, this brings up another thing. Sometimes when you're studying, you'll come across a verse like this. Okay, my original verse is Philippians 4, 6, and I want to know more about being full of care and anxiety. And wow, here's a great passage about someone who is constantly serving, 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 that they're depleting their energy. Maybe it's because they want to be seen serving. They want to show everybody in the church just how busy they are. They're depleting their energy, and they're not refilling the tank by spending time with Christ. And so you're getting that, and you're putting that down on your notes, and then you come across something like this. I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I see Jesus Christ Himself say, one thing you ought to do, I get curious, and I want to know, huh, is there anywhere else in the Bible where it mentions the phrase, one thing? Because if Jesus is saying there's one thing, I want to make sure that I know what that one thing is and see how else does God use that phrase throughout the Bible and is there any connections that can be made there? So you know what you do? You either put a bookmark on your phone or if you're doing it from your desktop, you duplicate a tab. And here's another little trick you can do. So when you go to your word search there, or I think it's a magnifying glass on your phones, you put in a quote mark and you better do quote marks if you want to search for a phrase. And you type in one thing. Because if you don't put quote marks, <laughs> when you hit search, every single verse with the, with the word one and every single verse with the word thing will populate up on your screen and you'll have a massive headache. And so you search for one thing. Where else does this phrase show up in the Bible? Joshua 23, 14. Not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. God has promised and He is faithful to finish what He starts. He doesn't let one thing fall to the ground. That's interesting. But what about, because this passage here in Luke 10, which kind of prompted me to search this, is talking about us. What one thing do we need to do? And you keep scrolling down. Sometimes you'll find verses that don't really match, but then you'll find a verse where you're like, ah, here's David in Psalm 27.4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. I've already kind of mentioned this, and I won't belabor the point. You guys have been around for a couple weeks, you heard me talk, you know where my thoughts lie on this. But when you read a verse like that, do you see the difference between that heartbeat as opposed to someone who just does their devotions. I did my daily in the Word today. Read my Bible today. Nowhere do you see somebody talking about, I did my devotions in the Bible. You know what you see when you study the Bible? Verses like this, where people said, I am going to be in the Lord's presence. This one thing, if there is one single-minded focus I'm going to have, it's not on the cares and the thoughts and the anxiety that I'm going through of the day-to-day -day routines and the things that I can't control. No, the one thing I'm going to focus on is being with God in His house all the days of my life. We just call it daily devotions. But do you see how more powerful of a verse that is when it's worded like that? So now you take a verse like that and you add it to your notes on anxiety because God's starting to connect the dots. Instead of focusing on these many things, I'm just having one single focus and it's Him and it's being with Him. Get that from Luke 10. The one thing that Jesus told Martha to do and we found Martha because we're looking at carefulness. Where else does it show up in the Bible? Do you see the through line that's being made here? This is the basic tenets of Bible study. But then you keep going. Jesus answered and said unto him, unto them, the one, the people who are trying to trip him up, I will also ask you one thing, which if he tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority. That wasn't the verse I was looking at. Ah, here's the one, Mark 10, 21. I got to confuse with this one. 
Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. I think this is the guy who he asked, you know, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he's like, oh, what does the law say? And he's like, oh, the commandments. I've kept all of these commandments from my youth. I've kept the Ten Commandments. And Jesus says, ah, but one thing thou lackest, one thing. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. You know what, Jesus Christ, when we come to Him, He doesn't ask us to do thing A, B, C, and D, and E, and F, and G for the rest of our lives, and then maybe when we die, we'll go to heaven. No, He asks one thing, to give away all that we have, our life, and surrender to Him for salvation. That's it. You know what, people who are lost in this world and have a lot of anxiety, that'll help them deal with their anxiety and their carefulness, to surrender to Christ. Uh, some of these repeat because they're in the Gospels. Oh, beautiful. John 9, 25. You know what's happening in John 9, right? Ethan, what's happening in John 9? You better know for this Thursday. Healing of the blind man. The blind man, the guy who was just saved, and now he's being questioned by all these people who know him in his day-to-day life and activities. And what does he say? You know what, whether this guy Jesus is a sinner, I don't know. You know what I know? I once was blind, now I see. That's the one thing that I know. You know what that tells me if I'm taking notes like you? Any one of you in this room can go to the mall and witness. Any one of you can stand up. If you're saved, and you can give a testimony, you can share the gospel with a kid at VBS. Any one of you can. You don't need to know the Romans wrote it first. You don't need to know uh, uh, the ABCs or anything. All you need to know is, hey, you know what? Here's what my life was like before Christ. And then here's the moment when Jesus Christ intervened in my life and I realized my need for Him and I called upon Him to save me. And here's how my life has been ever since. I once was this blind. And now I see. That's the one thing I know. That's the one thing that any of you guys, if you've been changed in here, you know. And you can do great things with that. Oh, Philippians 3.13. Yeah, but what about the things that are in my past? I'm just so anxious and full of care about the things in my past. And my past keeps coming up back to haunt me. Past boyfriends, past girlfriends, past mistakes that I've made. You know what Jesus says through Paul? This one thing I do, forget your past and press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Press forward because the past will eat you up. The past will keep you down. The past will keep you from going forward in your walk with Christ. And it will add to your load of daily cares and woes and anxiety. One thing, forget it. Your past, no matter what you did in the past, no matter what you did in the past, is under the blood of Christ. As far as east, from the west, and on the deepest depth of the ocean floor, which, by the way, scientists haven't even discovered that yet. That's how strong the love of God is to you. No matter what you've done, You keep this one thing in mind. You keep this one focused. And God will take care of any carefulness or anxiety you have. These are the good kind of rabbit trails you go on when you're studying. You start building this repertoire. You start building this laboratory of notes. Whether you mark it in your Bible, you keep it in a journal, you'll start to know Him deeper. You'll start to know Him and you'll start to see clearly because your eyes have been anointed as to where you're supposed to go next. Good rabbit trail to go on. Ah, the very final time this phrase one thing shows up. Be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. You kind of need to know and understand that verse. You can't be ignorant of that verse when you're studying Revelation. We saw that in our intro to the class. All right, good rabbit trail. And it helped strengthen and deepen my understanding of how to deal with anxiety. 
And man, we're just looking at how God chooses to use this here. Luke 10. So you keep scrolling through and you keep looking. You're not going to study out every single verse. That's okay. And again, especially with the Gospels, sometimes they show back up multiple times. Uh, and then we come to Philippians 4, 6. All right. So that's a concordance. That's a study tool that you guys have at the tips of your fingers to know how is a word defined and where else does God use it throughout the Bible. Now here's part two, and this is where, get your phones back out, and this is where some of you guys may need to help me who don't have iPhones. So if you're on this verse, going back to Philippians 4, 6, and you click on something called cross-references or, well, go back to Philippians 4, 6 first and click on the verse, Everybody, I, on my iPhone I have, it says cross-references or TSK, which means Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. I think some of you Droid users, they might, they might just say cross or Treasury of Scripture Knowledge. Oh, it's the same? Does everybody find that on here? All right, so if you click on that, here's the cool thing about this tool. As I kind of mentioned earlier in the intro, this tool helps you to see, all right, Maybe there's a chunk of, of words or there's a phrase in this verse I'm studying. And I want to know where else in the Bible does a phrase like this show up or something similar to it. It's basically taking the idea of the verse and what is another like-minded verse in the Bible. It does that with phrases and sometimes it does it with whole verses. So if we click on cross-references here and we see... And don't be tripped up over this. Basically, the simplest way I can think to tell you, you have all these highlighted words here, and they're hyperlinked. And as you keep scrolling down, it has all the cross-references. Don't worry, we're not going to look at each one of them. It has all of these cross-references. And basically, if there's verses here for careful, it basically has everything to do with be careful for nothing until the next highlighted word. So then you get to in, and all of the verses down here for in have to do with everything by prayer and supplication. In other words, how do you deal with the anxiety or those things you're careful over? So let's go through some of them. And again, as you start looking at them, you jot down verses that speak to you. You don't worry about the verses of what somebody's writing down next to you. You just focus on what is God speaking to you. And... Ideally, you'd be doing this by yourself anyway, so you don't have anyone else to look at. What? Oh, because I haven't zoomed in. I have to click on these. Oh, the first one. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. What's going on with these trace amigos? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar is trying to get them to recant their faith, kind of like Rome was doing to all of those Christians we're learning about at church history on Wednesday nights, trying to get them to surrender their faith from Christ and to bow down to His image. And those guys are like, hey, you know what? We're not going to be too full of care. We're not going to take thought as to how to answer you in this matter because our mind's already made up. We are strong in what our faith is. We are not going to bow down. We don't have to really be anxious of the matter. Because you know what? Our God is able to deliver us. And even if He's not, we're still going to be delivered because we're going to be in His presence. But one thing we are not going to do is to bow down to this world system and everything you have to offer, Satan. Not going to be anxious over that. It's a good cross-reference to see these three men and to see, man... And the thing I love about that one also, we started this whole study off by looking at things that are just the day-to-day -day mundane routine. Take no thought whether you eat, you drink, or what you shall put on. The day-to-day -day routine of life. Everything from that to getting ready to have your skin singed. God says, don't worry about it. Take no thought of it. And everything in between I've got this. I am your God. I am your Lord. I will take care of you. Just trust me and walk with me. Have faith. Yeah, but what about what happened yet? Don't worry about yesterday. Forget about yesterday. Forget about last month. Now and forward. Press on.
Oh, Matthew 6.25, that sounds familiar. And it has the whole passage there. Uh, oh, here's a good one, Matthew 13.22. Talking about the parable of the sower, when, when we're sowing seeds, when we're taking the Word of God, and we're passing a track out, or we're witnessing with somebody. You know, sometimes... That seed will fall into thorny ground. Here's what Christ says. He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now you read a verse like that and you find something else about anxiety. You know what can cause anxiety? The deceitfulness of riches. Wanting to be so desperate to make a buck, wanting to be so desperate to get that summer job that it takes you away from ministry opportunities that are going on here, and it takes you away from being in the fellowship of believers. That'll choke the word out of you because you're so full of care over things like that. We've yet to come across anything like that in our study so far. And so when it hits you, when that speaks to you, you jot it down. And again, you're building this laboratory of verses that'll help you to add to your faith knowledge so that you can move forward with God so you can have vision to see what He's doing. There's Martha. Ah, that's a simple one. You know, as we're going through this, as I mentioned last week, as you're building your laboratory of verses, you want to find the one or two to help you memorize to hide God's Word in your heart. 1 Peter 5.7 is a pretty easy one to hide in your heart. Casting all your what? Upon Him, for He careth for you. We're going to see here in a little bit when we end how much He really does care for you. Real quick, I wanted to give you guys one to work on your own. I think we'll have time here. Ah, Jacob talked about him a couple months ago. What did he do? All of these are examples of men and women throughout the Bible who, when they were full of care, go back to Philippians 4. Men and women who, when they were full of care, they were careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. So everything here in this next section, it's people who, when they had anxious moments come up, they went to God with it. We saw Jacob when he was about ready to get his head taken off by his brother. Here we see Hannah. Hannah, who had no son, who had no child. She was barren. And this hurt her heart. So what did she do? Did she whine about it to her friends? Did she gossip about it? No. She took it to the Lord in prayer. She goes, I am I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit, and I've poured out my soul before the Lord. David, when he was greatly distressed in 1 Samuel 30, poured out his heart before the Lord. You mean look at Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. When you're full of anxiety, we've already seen what to do with the Word of God. Now we're seeing the second side of it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. You have a whole slew of verses here you can look at. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Don't trust yourselves. When you're full of anxious care, don't trust those thoughts. Take it before Him. You can't trust your hearts. And he goes on giving you great verses on prayer. If you were looking for a good study of prayer, just go to Philippians 4, 6, and then click on this tab on the end tab and look at all the verses that are there. A slew of them here. If you're looking for verses on prayer, thanksgiving. And here's the last thing I wanted to see. Matthew 6, 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, talking about the hypocritical Pharisees, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. Everything that's gripping your heart, everything that's causing anxiety in your life, God already knows it. You might be thinking to yourself, then why on earth do I need to go to Him in prayer? Because of the two verses right above it. 
I love this. Proverbs 15, 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is His delight. Song of Solomon 2, 4. Oh, my dove. This is a husband speaking to a bride. And if you're saved... You are a bride to Jesus Christ, your husband. Thou art in the clefts of the rock, like that hymn we sing, in the secret places of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. How often when you pray, are you just thinking about, God, I'm so glad that you get to hear these requests. I'm so glad. I know you'll help me with these things. I don't know about you guys, but there are times where I will do that and I completely and utterly forget that just as excited as I am to go to Him, He's all the more excited to hear from you. He's all the more excited to hear from me. It delights His heart when He hears us come before Him and pour out our heart and our spirit unto Him with whatever issues we're going through in life. He's so happy. I sometimes get so caught up in my day-to-day life that I forget that. That this is a two-way relationship. Just how we get joy and excitement from hearing from Him and His Word, He gets joy and excitement from hearing from you when you bring and cast all of your care unto Him because He careth for you. I forget that so often. Right there. You don't need to know, uh, what dispensation did this verse take place in? Oh, what does this commentary say on the matter? Let me study out what the ancients have said about it. No. All you need is your Bible. And if your phone is too much of a distraction for you, there's hardbound copies of all of these tools. The only thing I didn't get to use for time's sake was a Webster's 1828 dictionary, which, by the way, that website is back up and running. 1828webster.com. Check it out. I really wanted to spend time having you guys do your own. Did that help? Does that help you guys know how you can take just common... Let me read my chapter today. All right, cool. Next chapter tomorrow. Ooh, it's chapter 5. There is no Philippians 5. It takes it and goes deeper with it. Now you're starting to see how does God use these words throughout Scripture? How has He used them throughout all of the Old Testament and the New Testament? What common similar verses are there? I'll tell you what. I'll give it to you guys as homework. I'll be honest. I'm not going to check it. We won't come back. Actually, no. I'll check with you guys. I'll ask you if, you, uh, if God showed you anything. And if no one responds, then I guess that means no one did it or everyone's too shy or careful to answer it. Hebrews 13.5. Study that one out this week. Now that one you may need an 1828 dictionary for because there's a word that shows up in that verse and it may not be used how you think it's used. But check it out. Actually, scratch that. Sorry. Hold on. It's 1 Peter 1. Dang it, Sam. You had to come up. Now you confused me. It's 1 Peter 1, verse 15. You can study Hebrews 13, 5 if you want, but I'm not going to ask you about it. 1 Peter 1, 15. There's the same word that shows up in that verse that you might need an 1828 dictionary for because it's not necessarily used the same way we use it. But do these things. Check it out. The verse is all about holiness. What does it actually mean to be holy? I think I could define it. That's not the word, by the way. I think I could define holiness if I wanted to. But how does God choose to define it? Guys, check that out, and maybe we'll have some good discussion next week. I'm curious to see what he shows you. I'm curious to see what he speaks to you about. Hopefully he spoke to you about anxiety today. And if not, well... Take no thought for the morrow, because sufficient are the evils of today. Any questions? We got a little bit of time. Any questions or any any comments? Anything that you guys caught up today that you're like, man, I never really saw that before.
Carson. When you take notes, do you take them in pen or in pencil? So that, like you might be able to erase them and like if you misunderstood something. Or... I do pen. Okay. I do pen, and that way, if I like have a spelling error or whatever, I'll scratch it out. Or if it's really, really wrong, then I will. Now I'll make sure if I'm putting it in my Bible that I'll make absolutely certain, like, okay, is this accurate yeah. before putting it in there? Because it just looks weird to have scribbles in your Bible. Yeah. But yeah, I use a pen. You, it's not unbiblical to use a pencil, so you're good there. Or a crayon. Anybody else? Use a journal if you're too weird out to, to put these notes in your Bible. But that's the end goal, too. You start building this little laboratory of verses, and before you know it, guess what? Every single one of you in here will be able to teach a Bible study at your school. Every single one of you will be able to get together with your friends. You'll be able to get together with people that you go dance with, that you go to musical with, that you're in band with, that you're on track with, that you're in baseball with. You'll be able to get together with all of them, have your own little Bible study, just simply from studying God's Word. You can do it. It's possible. And we will burst at the seams, and we'll have to send out more people. All right. Anything else? Sam, you want to close us in a word of prayer?